Hello everybody and welcome to the 16th episode of the Kent Non-League Football Podcast. As always, I'm John Phipps and finally, after 16 weeks, here in the flesh with me is Matt Gerrard. For once, there's going to be no technical problems. Matt is sat here right next to me in the flesh. We're recording this now in a pub garden in Faversham and we're just going to go and have something to eat afterwards. But first of all, Matt, nice to see you and how are you? Well, it's nice to see you, John. I'm a little bit disappointed this pub has got Christmas decorations up, which is really upsetting. But one of the good thing about it, everybody's... Good friend of mine doesn't listen to the pod. That's by the by, he works with somebody and uh, he listens to the pod and he always thinks I sound like I'm in the middle of the toilet. But hopefully this is a bit lot clearer today because it's quite a nice evening in Faversham. I have to say, it certainly is. And um, you know, it's, it's nice to, to be out and about and, and seeing the, the three-dimensional people as opposed <laughs> to sitting in my car looking at a computer screen, which is uh, which is very nice. And, and anyway, it's, it's it's been a busy old week in, in the world of non-league football as always. And I think we're going to start at the top of top of the pyramid this week, Matt. Um, Dover Athletic. You were there again on Saturday. They've been top of the league for a couple of weeks. Hadn't had a game for a fortnight. Still top of the league. Beat Eastley. Job done. Yeah, it was probably, um, I think, probably the best performance of the season I've seen at home. I've seen some very good performances away from home. Dover um, against Eastley. Eastley, of course, with a very big budget. And you think they should be doing. They've got players with Premier League experience. Barry McSheffrey. But Dover got the opening goal with Larby, which I think is very important for him. I think he could be a key player for Dover, particularly with the injuries they've got to Jamie Allen and Toby Shaw-Silver. They're lacking the striking department. He got a goal. He had a good game. And in the second half, it was just too easy for them against the Eastley side. Kept them at base, played some lovely football, created a lot of chances. Connor Essam got a, a goal, which is good to see as well. And I just thought Eastley were, Eastley were poor, but Dover made them look poor. Uh, played some excellent football. Naughty Naughty had his best game for the club. So the two-week period, I think, did him a favour really going out the cup you look at it the week before in the FA Cup you think we're not in the FA Cup give him a break I think the key thing was they had six training sessions Dover as I've probably mentioned before train Monday, Tuesday Thursdays if normally they'd be playing on a Tuesday can't train on a Monday obviously can't train on a Tuesday so they only have one training session which is a Thursday so they've just been working on a few things I don't really need to work on two things being top of the league but been re- really good and that was a really good performance as well and Again, it's one of these things, you come out of it, you're thinking, can we win the league? Can we win the league? And after a performance like that, if they can keep everybody fit, I think they've got a chance. You say about keeping everybody fit. I mean, obviously, you've mentioned them there, Alan and uh, Show Silver both being injured. Um, it's a big blow, and I guess Chris Killian may have to do a bit of wheeling and dealing again to, to try and get someone in, especially when you've got the busy Christmas period coming up. Yeah, I think Jamie Allen, I really rate Jamie Allen. He had something about him, um, hip injuries, so he's definitely out for the season. Toby Show Silver... I think he may play again, but they need some more strikers. Again, because the suspensions are kicking in. You, you're worried about players picking up five bookings now because they're going to miss a game. And with some big games coming up, they've got to get to the end of the month to do that. But I know they're looking to bring in a lone player. Hopefully that can come across. I know other, other clubs are sniffing around that particular player. But it, it, hopefully, David top of the league, players will want to come if they're not getting in either in a football league side or in a cup side of the National League. So, yeah. All in all, it's been an absolutely fantastic start for David. The crowd was good as well. So, yeah, it's just, it, you shake your head when you come out of it. But everybody I speak to go week in, week out, thinks they've got a chance to win the league. And who would have said that at the beginning of August? Well, exactly. I mean, you're top of the league in, in November, but the Christmas trees are already up as, yeah. you, as you're moaning. <laughs> and you, you would have taken that at the start of the season. And I think we'll go down the table in order of where they all are. So, three places below, uh, below Dover. Four points below Dover and Maidstone, who were one nil winners down in Torquay. Now, you and I both heard the epic report from the guy down there in uh, for Radio Kent. It sounded like it was backs to all, to all stuff at the end there. Play, a lot of praise for Lee Wargan keeping them in, but that's another great away win for the Stones in front of by what all accounts was a raucous travelling support. Yeah, it was good travelling support. Good goal by Joe Piggott. Lovely free kick. Um, Piggott's got nine goals this season. A very good player. Um, I think the biggest stat from that is Maidstone. I think there's three consecutive clean sheets in the league they conceded two against Cheltenham but they're a league above but that was a problem last season they couldn't keep clean sheets from that point of view so they're doing very very well again uh, signings that he's brought in they've got a big squad compared to Dover they've got a bigger squad they've let players go out on loan but and with the game they're playing this week uh, on Saturday you think with the game in hand it could should be another win for Maidstone and with the FA Cup coming in it's been a fantastic season for them keeping clean sheets got players who score goals Again, Maystone United, there's no reason why they can't be in the playoffs as well. Really looking up in, in every aspect of it at the moment, Maystone. I mean, they've just installed a big screen at the ground. I don't know if you've seen that on social media this week. The only problem they've got is they've had a bit of a barn with the council over a two-foot stretch of land. And I, I work for a newspaper over in Maystone. We, we've covered that story a little bit. And I don't know where I stand on it. We, we were trying to discuss in the office who's the bad guys. Is that the one opposite the main stand? Is it that little? I think so, yeah. Because yeah. always when I was 
told when you moved into the ground, you think, oh, can I extend it? And they said, oh, you couldn't because there's a river behind that, isn't it, from yeah. that point of view. So I think that the problem is, have they, is the ground good enough for... I think for it, the football league status. I think it might be initially, but I think the problem is, is there's a little little strip strip of land. I think it's only two foot wide, yeah. and um, Maidstone want to buy it. The, the club want to buy it. The council have done some a lot of surveys. They do a lot of surveys at Maidstone Borough Council, <laughs> and they've decided that it's it's like important land, strategically important. And they've said to Maidstone United, you can have it on a 99 year lease, right. whereas Maidstone United want to buy it. The Maidstone United are saying that there's lots of to and fro in with regard to you know it's harder to get finance if, it, if it's all in different ownerships and everything but 99 years ago where were Maidstone United in 99 years time you and I aren't going to be here to see it no. is that little bit of scrubland going to make any difference to Maidstone United in the future they probably won't even still be at the Gallagher Stadium in 99 years if we're being brutally honest you know that things would have changed there might not even be a league that Donald Trump might have sorted it all out long since. And I, it, to me, it looks like Maidstone United. I thought their statement was a little bit disappointing the way they said, you know, the borough council don't want us to, to thrive and get promoted. You know, you can build on the land. They're offering you the land. They're just saying, you know, we need to keep hold of it for, for strategic reasons. And I don't think it's anything personal against the club. I think they'd do that with anyone. Yeah, well, I think the, the council have probably been very good to Maidstone United over the, the years to get them back into the Gallagher. You know, the, the nomad existence they had for many years they probably needed the help of the council to get where they are now. Hopefully this this could be sorted with this and the pitch issue. I suppose it's always going to be in the back of the mind for the season what's going to happen with Maystone United. They're getting the crowds. They can probably get two and a half, three thousand every week. This bit of land, again, I'm sure something compromise will come up about it, but interesting to see. Loghead, you don't want to see Loghead to that, what great Maystone have done. And I'm sure the parish council, they can work together because Maystone parish... Maystone Borough Parish Council they need the football club to do well they certainly do and, and we'll move down the, down the league only one place though one point Bromley uh, they were at Guiseley on, on Saturday missed a couple of penalties as I understand it they left it late though and they got a 1-0 win and the guy from Guiseley was saved penalties last night in the, in the FA Cup yeah. as well so you know that's, that's, a, that's a decent win for Bromley and you know they're still flying high they're sixth in the league you know everything's looking good for them and, and I can't you know I never would have expected that if we'd been sat here with the Lito, we'd have three teams in the top six. And Bromley are the ones they've gone right under the radar, I think. And, and they've come in. Neil Smith's done a fantastic job. They've had some brilliant results. They're hard to beat. I, I mean, all I can say, as we say quite often, is what a job Neil Smith's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I think Dover have gone there and Ebsley have gone there, haven't won. And, and they got there in the final minute, missing two penalties. You know, of course, guys, they were down to... 10 men after about 80, after two minutes so 88 minutes grind it down and that probably shows a bit of character for Bromley because as the game goes on the more frustrated you get they've brought got Dominic Vose who a couple of seasons ago for, for Welling was absolutely fantastic in that side that nearly got relegated he was a real top draw player went to Wrexham and you speak to the Wrexham supporters about him they absolutely rated him as well hasn't really worked out for them but again Neil Smith's one of these managers puts his arm around a couple of round a player see what he can do and he can bring up the magic of that and Ify Allen as well another good player so no reason why Bromley can't keep going on. They've had that cup run, some big games coming up. They can play Dover in a couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, fantastic for Neil Smith. And, and I think he's probably the nicest man in the world, Neil Smith, as well, which helps. Yeah, he's, he does seem like a nice bike. And I think that's a big part of having good man management skills. You know, you've got to be nice, you've got to appreciate. And, you know, from our point of view as, as journalists or members of the press, as, as we often are when we're dealing with these people, you know, they need to be sort of open to what we're doing. And when you've got someone like that who is media friendly, wants to make the effort to speak to people, it, it makes it a lot easier. And you can see why he would probably be able to motivate his players because of the way he is with, with the media. Also, I think he went. He managed well in, in his first spell a few years ago. That didn't really work out for him. Then he went back to being a coach and an assistant manager and I probably if you spoke to him about it he probably said that the best thing happened to him at Welling is getting the sack and learning his trade because he had a very good career in the lower leagues with Gillingham and he went in the non-league with Woking so he knows this level he probably went a little bit early into it he probably you know, now grew into the role as a manager so fantastic job uh, Bromley you know, you think Mark Goldberg left you think Neil Smith they probably could have gone for a bigger name with a bit of money there but Neil Smith knows the club you know, club at his heart and Another fantastic job he's doing, like all the, the, the managers in Kent at the moment. Yeah, indeed. Um, last but by no means least, uh, they're what, 11th in the table, Ebbsfleet United. They're only three points behind Bromley though, so they're still very much in the mix and they've only lost three times in the league, um, which only Dover can match that. No one's lost fewer games in Ebbsfleet. We talk about that a lot, their unbeaten record, but on Saturday night, in front of the TV cameras, Leighton Orient at home. 
did a job on them, didn't they? And, and what a fantastic win that is for, for Ebsley. I saw someone saying it's one of the great days in the club's history. Well, I think the new stand coming in, they rode their luck at times when uh, Lake Norham, when they got running front, but it could probably it was a good time to play Lake Norham, the problems that they had. Coulson's um, playing some good football. Kedwell, to be fair, I thought maybe he his legs are gone, this level of football, but he's got, I think he's probably nearly got as many goals as he got a hold of last season at the moment, Danny Kebble, and he's a talisman for them as well. And what I like about Daryl McMahon, he has got a big squad, we've said about that, but he mixes and matches, he, he brings players in, the push went out, Mambo comes in, the next week you might see Cook come in, and, and other players come out. He, he, he's not, he's a bit of a tinker man, but he, he seems to work, and probably with a big squad, it's what you've got to do, otherwise you get players who are going to be unhappy, because he has got a big score. I see Bub's back, Danny Mills wasn't on the bench, so he's doing, a, again, a fine job. Again, always in the back of the mind, everybody's going to say, obviously, because they've got a bit of money, they should be up there. But we know how difficult this league is. Three defeats in 19 games is an excellent turnaround for that. Turn some of those draws into wins, and they can be back in the playoffs as well. Yeah, you mentioned him there, Yado Mambo. As the kids say, he's gone viral this yeah. week. I'm a bit annoyed, to be honest, because uh, there was a lad who obviously was watching the game put, put a tweet out saying, oh, why would you have a player called Mambo and not give him the number five shirt? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm a bit annoyed because several years ago, he was playing for Chelmsford and uh, they obviously have one to 11 numbers and he was wearing number six. And I replied to Chelmsford when they put a tweet out and said, Mambo number six, why don't you think of the journalists? That didn't go viral. No. This lad, though, gets it to go absolutely mental. And, and I mean... In this day and age, I know full well the media thing has been a, a big bit of a scrum round him, and he's saying he wants a number five shirt. It's all a bit of a something over nothing, but what great publicity for Ipswich! Well, and for Mambo, he didn't play very much last season. I always remember him playing for Dover. He played twice for Dover, and he hasn't got. I think his first game he was sent off. I think he scored in the trophy, got sent was off. One of the games at Woking, wasn't it? Yeah, and the second game he came back when Dover started the first season in the National League really badly, and they got Tonk six one, and he was never seen again from that. He wasn't wearing number five then. Goodness knows what shirt he was wearing there, but he, but again, he must have something in. He said when he went to Shrewsbury, he was a good player in the football league. He's played at Wimbledon, so he's got a bit of pedigree around him. He's had to be patient at Ebbsfleet. Um, he didn't play much at all last season. I think he had a loan spells out of various clubs. Winfield's injuries brought him in. Solid player. Bush's suspension now gives him into the uh, thing. But again, Darrell McMahon throw him in. It'll be interesting this weekend with Bush back. Will Mambo play? But. He's had, a, he's had his 15 minutes at the moment from that point of view, isn't it? Oh, he absolutely has. And I mean, that defeat absolutely was enough for Leighton Orient, who sacked Steve Davis on, uh, in, in the week, sitting 19th in the table. It's not too late for them to mount a push for promotion because the table is still so ridiculously tight. And uh, first of all, the leaders on Saturday. Are you going to Brisbane Road? Well, I am going to Leighton Orient as well. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the, the first games. When the fixtures came out, um, we thought, well, I've got to go to Brisbane Road. It's not too far up the road. Um, of course, Chris Kinnear has been linked with the, Bris- the job at Lake Norian. Um, from that point of view, he's one of the favourites. What they're going to go down, of course, it has been a basket case of a club over the last few years. Maybe with the Dunkin' Donuts man, it's maybe a little bit more secure. So, Chris Kinnear, well, it's a good place to do a job, job uh, interview if, if Dover can turn Lake Norian. Of course, I don't want Chris Kinnear to go, but Lake Norian is a massive football club. And, and, and you think about it, unless they're really badly managed which I don't think they are anymore. There's only one way they can go, which is back up. So it's a fantastic job for somebody. A few managers have been linked. Darren McMahon could be linked to it. Of course, had a spell at Lake Norian. Another job from there. We could see a managerial merry-go-round if this happens. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to Lake Norian. Probably now the manager's not got sacked. You think it's probably not a good time for Dover to play them. They haven't won in 11 games. Dover, unbeaten in nine. It'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to going there. I think be a good following from David because everybody's got quite excited about going to Lake Norian so um, should, yeah again the next two games for Dover we said last week absolutely key big games away from home against them and Dagenham on Tuesday if they can come maybe four points on the board you're going to be really happy so it should be a good day out of Lake Norian looking forward to it but well, could it be Chris Kinnear's last game? You never know. If they ever win, they, you can have the Lake Norian fans cheering him. <laughs> have you uh, been to Brisbane Road before? Because um, I've been a couple of times, and I've never sat in the press box area, um, but I've sat in the, on, on, on the far side from it. And the main stand looks a bit like a ship. It's oh, right. a, a cruise ship. It's got like portholes and everything. Oh. So uh, I think you've got quite a lofty commentary position as well. So I've never been there, but it's one of these places you can't get a thing. So I had to go and use park on my drive, this thing, because of these things. So Because there's no... I think you're around the ground. It's, you know resident parking only and I don't really want my car to be towed away so uh, you know you've made it when I have to uh, go online to park on somebody's drive to go to a match so yeah uh, word of warning for you though um, many years ago um, Gillingham played at Leighton Orient on a, on a Tuesday night uh, this, this time of year it was around December time and uh, they drove got stuck in traffic um, 
they ended up when most of the supporters arrived they had two goalkeepers in the starting eleven because that was all the players that they had <laughs> they eventually uh, managed to get enough players there to start the game didn't get many club officials there certainly didn't get their kit had to play an Orient's kit lost 3-1 pretty miserable night for the Jills but, uh, <laughs> but there you go elsewhere this weekend uh, Bromley at home to Chester Maystone at home to Solihull Moors you've got new management and Ebbsfleet are up at Wrexham uh, full programme as well on Tuesday night Bromley at home to Aldershot Dover go to Dagenham uh, Maidstone entertain Boreham Wood and Fleet have a much shorter trip to another shock FA Cup winner in Woking uh, which was uh, you know that's going to be a, a tough test for them because Woking you know not a, a club that certainly Dover sometimes have a good record against not, not a lot of people have fancied them but they've gone up to Bury. they're going to be absolutely flying in confidence at the moment and, they, and they're doing really well under Anthony Limbrick yeah, he's done a fantastic well, that's an unbelievable result and I, I can see on social media we, the, the Bury fans applauding to Woking off the pitch so that's a good draw there now once you get to that second round they probably sniff the third round from there and Limerick it's one of these from a working point he's one of these managers you get in he's, got, he's worked well in academies it either goes one way it really really works or it does it, it, it tanks basically and it's really worked for him he needs to play some nice football and it's a tough one for Ebsley but again if Ebsley want to get in the playoffs they've got to go there and win basically to, to, to show put down a marker yet yeah, we can go to a side that I think we'll probably finish mid-table. We can do it. Yeah, we'll move on now to the, uh, the National League South, which is where I was on Saturday. Uh, got a late call to join Matt on, uh, on Radio Kent Sports Hub to, uh, to cover Welling against Concord Rangers. Um, it was an absolute thriller and, and quite a game for me to be covering for the radio. Um, to be honest, I wrote a full-time report. It, it, it was still on my laptop when I got, got to this last night. And as a good listener of Radio Kent, never got to hear it because the fellow at Torquay just went on and on and on and on and on and on. I'm going to read it out now because, uh, well, why not? I, I wrote it, so... Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Eli Phipps came off the bench to score twice, but Welling had to settle for a point after coming from 2-0 down to lead Concord Rangers. The Wings dominated the game, but fell behind on nine minutes when Amos Nasher strolled into the box, unmarked to fire Jordan Brown's cross-pass debutant keeper Callum Kitchka. Welling created a host of first-half chances, but were unable to find a way past one-time Dartford stopper Louis Wells. And the lead was doubled when Kitchka was caught out of position and Steve Corley squared for Kyron Farrell to roll home. But then came the comeback. Joe Healy rifled in a brilliant shot from 25 yards before Phipps turned home across from round the match Archie Johnson to level matters. Phipps's cross was then diverted into his own net by Billy Roast. But just as Welling looked, looked as though they were going to get a deserved win, Carl DeCosta fired home after a goal scramble. Welling almost won it to the death, but Concord held out for the seventh draw in a row. Absolute thriller. Welling United 3, Concord Rangers 3. Um, after the game, I spoke to Welling boss Jamie Coyle, who was pretty frustrated by- 2-0 down, 3-2 up, finished 3-3, nearly won it at the end. Roller coaster of emotions for you. Yeah, yeah, real real mix of emotions, like you say. It's um I think I always even at 2-0 down, I thought we had so many opportunities to get back in the game. I, I was kind of quite confident to to get back in at two all. And then to nick the third, you think, you know, we'll go on to win the game and um real poor individual decision making today that's led to three of their goals. Um they were very dangerous on the counter-attack as we knew they were before the game um, and all three goals have led from or come from our mistakes and it's it's really disappointing because recently we've been really resilient um, as a team collectively defensively we've had a lot of clean sheets on the bounce and to concede three goals at home you shouldn't have to score four goals to win a game of football at home and, and uh, unfortunately that's what we had to do today but in terms of the positives you you know you look at the, the amount of chances we've created it, it was uh, I can't wait to look at the stats and see how many actual key opportunities we create, especially in the first 10 minutes. Always great for a manager to send a sub on and him score, and, and we think the second one was an own goal, but you know he was heavily involved in the goals, and that's what you want from him, isn't it? Yeah, Eli was, was tremendous. Um, obviously, he scored the second, and I don't know whether it was an own goal or, or cross. I think it was a little bit of an own goal, the third one. And you know, To be fair, even Tom Brabrook off the bench, he had a chance from about three yards, last kick of the game, um, and, he, and he's come off his shin and just missed the post so both of them could have had a real big impact and, and that's what's good you know that's the, the main positive I, I look behind me today and, at the bench and we've got some real quality going forward um, that can change the game You never really gave up which has got to be a positive for you I mean even at 2-0 down there was no heads dropping you, you were still going forward and a great goal by Joe Healy to get you back into it Yeah he, he was brilliant again he's, he's really trying to push us forward from midfield and, and he'd he done really well with his goal it was a great finish and you know, although we were two 0 down, I mean, it's not really a true reflection of the game. Although they were they were very dangerous on a counter attack, we've created enough chances today to win three or four games, and um, that's the biggest disappointment, really. You know, it's in the first five minutes we should have been two or three up, and when them chances don't go, in you always think you're going to get a sucker punch at the other end, and it happened. I suppose so. You were two 0 down, but you view this as two points dropped. Massively, yeah, massively. I, I think I'm disappointed with the way that we've defended today. Um, 
but at three two we should have then had the quality and the intelligence to to see the game out and and take the three points and oh, fair play to them we we knew that the work ethic you know Adam Adam Flanagan always gets these, these teams working hard and that's what they did today they never gave up themselves and although they didn't have much possession they were always a threat on the counter and Unfortunately, today we, we didn't really show the intelligence in possession in terms of picking and choosing when to get go forward, and we got caught on the uh, on the counter for two of their goals. Matt, obviously you heard all of my updates on Saturday, and, and well, in I think they're going to be disappointed with that one, aren't they? Yeah, Conquer when I did the stats for the program, you think they drawn a lot all their games, don't they? And all won all sort of that. You know, we went over oh, early on, oh, it's well in front, but then when they were two 0 down, but. Shows a bit of character from that point of view. Joe Healy's having a fantastic season. I think it's his ninth or tenth goal of the season. Um, Phipps came on. He's on loan from Colchester. Is that right? Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's, uh, well, he's on. Yeah, he's on loan from Colchester, and he he looked very sharp. And yeah. I understand that they've extended his loan already, and apparently um, he's very keen to stay for the rest of the season. And that'll be a massive boost for for Jamie Cole and Welling because, you know, I mean they were going absolutely gung ho. They had four strikers on the pitch yeah. effectively chucking the ball forward and it worked for them and, and Phipps looked a, a bit of a handful it was, it was funny really they started in that sort of formation with, with one up top um, in Goldberg and then Joe Healy was very advanced playing off behind him and then they had two two wide men who were looking to get in the game for me the wide men didn't do anywhere near enough in, in the whole 90 minutes I didn't think and when Nanetti was came off and, and Phipps came on, they they almost went sort of four four up front and they were really chucking at it. They, you know, they had Bradbrook on as well at that time and they were they were really really going for it. And and when they took the lead three two, as far as I was concerned, you probably hear my voice. Well, well, and they they thoroughly deserve this. And I didn't and expect I, them to throw it away from that point of view. Nor did I. And I, the thing was, I was I was on hold to do a, to do an update for for you guys on Radio Kent, and uh, they scored, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, it was a horrible goal to concede. Parkinson got his head on the ball. For, Virtually on the line, and it only went as far as the boy De Costa, and he, and he rifled it in. And you can understand Jamie Coyle was pulling his hair out when he dropped himself, um, was on the bench, and he was probably looking there thinking, "Well, we've been really good defensively. We've conceded three goals." Um, and he did say a couple of times, "You know, we, we shouldn't be having to score four goals to win at home," which is something managers always say mm. when their teams have conceded three. But um, yeah, I mean. Obviously disappointing, but tried to be a bit upbeat because I also spoke to Joe Healy, who I thought had a really good game actually, and um, we talked not just about that game but the, the season so far in general. What's the overriding emotion of that? Are you disappointed or, or pleased with the point? Uh, I think overall we're, we're a little bit disappointed, but I mean at two 0 down, I think if we'd offered us a point, we'd have probably taken that. So um, yeah, it's sort of mixed feelings. It's probably a decent game for the neutral. Some to come along and watch, but yeah, I think overall the way we've been playing in recent weeks, we'd have, we'd have liked to get a win today. Good goal from you to, to, to bring them back in. You seem to be much better from 25 yards than you were from four or five in the first half. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, to be, give the uh, Conkle to keep a credit, I thought he was outstanding in the first half. I think there were a couple of opportunities in the first minute, and he did very well. And, and I had a decent chance at the, uh, the back post, and I thought he made a great save. So um, yeah, we, so I think we need to be a little bit more clinical, but I think equally their, their keeper was superb today. Ultimately, I think the gaffer was saying it's it's been individual mistakes that have cost you. So you know, you just, I suppose you just have to write this one off and, and not do it again. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think we need to defend better as a team. It's it's difficult when you, you're one 0 down and two 0 down. It's it's difficult for the defence because the game's so open and we're pushing for goals. So um, I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's necessarily just individuals, but we need to be a little bit better as a team, and, and especially at home, we're a little bit too open at the moment. I think. So obviously, you must be pleased with how things are going for Welling. You're on a really good run, and obviously, you've had a disappointment against Concord, but things are going well, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at the contrast between the, the first six or seven games and the most recent six or seven, it's 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 a, you know, a huge difference. And I just think we needed to, to gel as a team, and now the confidence is coming, and we've got some fantastic young players. So. I mean, credit to the management team, and they also had faith in us, and you know, we just needed to tweak a, a few things here or there. But um, yeah, it's really come together, and, and I think we've put in some really good performances the last two months. The first half today, you obviously started up, you were very advanced. And I guess you enjoy that side of it. Yeah, I mean, um, having sort of Orlu in the middle and, and Jack Jeb, they're, they're fantastic players, and, and they give me a little bit more of a, of a free reign, I suppose. Uh, probably helps as I get a touch older I can't get well not that I really ever got around but it certainly uh, gives me a bit more of a licence to, to move forward and I do enjoy it I think it's probably a, my better position than sort of trying to be, be holding and arriving late so I, I'm enjoying it I say I've got a couple of goals so yeah I'm enjoying it in there 
It's more than a couple, though, isn't it? You're in good form, so I hear. But yeah, well, it's the best run. It's certainly the best run I've had in, in my career, which is you know great. I'll be uh, 31 next month, so I am really enjoying it. And he's played with a couple of different people up front. He's been you know, different with, with Bradley Goldberg and, and, and Tom Bradbury. And whoever I've been playing up there, it's, just, it's been great. And we've supported each other quite well. And I say it's been good that the teams are winning at the same time. So, yeah, no complaints. You said earlier, you know, it's a bit of a slow start. And, and it was. I mean, you were right down the bottom of the table. But now you've hit the ground. You, you're absolutely flying high, aren't you? Yeah. And I say it would be fantastic to win today just to keep that run going. But um, I think it's key just not to get beat today. And we'll, we'll be OK. I mean, I'd prefer to be... There's a lot of pressure if you're top quite early. And you've seen that with maybe teams like St Albans have won their first six and are now starting to struggle. I'd much rather be coming from... You know, mid-table and pushing towards the top after Christmas. So, yeah, we're happy about how it's going. If we keep playing like we're playing, we'll be there or thereabouts, as they say. I guess the big frustration is your home form at the minute. Yeah, you seem to be brilliant away from home, but not quite clicking here sometimes. Yeah, I think by by nature, I think we we are a better away team just because we're, we're very confident, sat in, soaking up pressure and then catching teams on the counter. Whereas when we play at home, I think Wilson in particular and Concord to an extent today, where they sit in, we are a little bit vulnerable on the break and I think that's been our downfall. I mean, it's maybe just a little bit of uh, naivety in the team and maybe just a little bit more discipline, but you know we can't be perfect. It's something for us to work on. And the gaffer, is it our playing for someone who you've known for so long and played with? No, no, not at all. He's, um, cool. he's, a, he's a fantastic manager. He knows the, you know, he's really educated in, in, in his football knowledge and he'll do very well. I mean, if it's, if it's here or elsewhere, he, he, he knows what he's doing and he gets the best out of people. So, um, no, it's no problem for me. We, you know, our, with good friends but equally he's the manager so I'm quite happy with that and if I'm I mean obviously it's, it's early November still if I said to you now playoff place would you be happy with that possibly I mean it's quite an open league there's been I don't think we've played any teams that have really been absolutely outstanding so I mean why not us I think we have to aim for top and, and see where you fall after to be honest he spoke well there, Joe Healy, I thought, and, and as I said, I thought he played really well on Saturday. He's been around a bit in, in Kent circles, he's an experienced player now, and he's going to be a key man if Welling want to continue their good form. Yeah, I think you said he, in that he was turning 31, I think his birthday's on Christmas Day, I think, one of those bizarre facts from what I know about. Um, yeah, yeah Maidstone, he was a key player when they got promoted into this division. Of course, there was a bit of commotion when he left Maidstone, when he went travelling, because he's got a very, very good job doing the city. Um, Joe Healy, quite an intelligent man. Um, and Dover signed him last season, um, Chris Kinnear. And again, what Chris Kinnear does, it take a while to put him in, but the back end of the season he was playing week in, week out. Very, very good player. It's key for Welling. You mentioned about four strikers. Great to have that in, in the ranks. Welling got a lot of strikers in there. Phipps come in uh, from that point of view, and Bradbrook and players like that. Goldberg, different strikers as well, which I, which I like as well. It's all very similar to four big blokes up there, and it's going to one way, but they've got players with a little bit of bit of skill so yeah I think he's doing a good job and Klitschko is an interesting one the keeper because of course when Chow- he was Cheltenham's goalkeeper when they were in this league didn't get a single game they brought lone keeper after lone keeper and he's just been sitting on the bench he was an England C international at Hayes highly rated didn't get a game there and maybe that's the position that they've got him to the end of the season I think over the last few years they had Lee Butcher in goal well in for a while and then he, when they got promoted then he left for work purposes and I think they've gone through some, so many goalkeepers and, it, and maybe that's a problem Maybe the goalkeeper. Did you have a good game on Saturday? Um, I thought he was. All, I mean, I think he was at fault for the second goal. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't think he touched the ball before the first goal. Yeah. I was racking my brain trying to work out if he had it was only a back pass or maybe a goal kick off something. And you know, I mean, that must have been difficult for him after nine minutes being one behind with a shot that he didn't really have a chance. Get. He was he was out of position for the second. Um, you know, it shouldn't have have happened as it did. Um, the second goal, so he'll be disappointed with that one. He'll be really disappointed. Um, you know, he, he didn't have a lot. He didn't have a lot to do, yeah. and he's conceded three goals. Yeah. So on the face of it, that doesn't look good. But he, he looked solid enough. His kicking was all right. And you know, when you've only trained with with your teammates once, it's going to be hard to come in and just hit the ground running like that. So he, he did all right. But you know, I would imagine he'll get better as, as the weeks come. And I, I understand they've got someone coming back as well from oh, injury. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's the start of the season. I can't remember his name. Yeah, yet. so I think they'll have someone else, a bit of competition for him. And then yeah. Jamie Cole's got choice in goal and hopefully he'll be able to make the right decisions and keep pushing Welling forward yeah I think Welling is quite tight up the top of the conference south again Braintree seemed to have made it through and my mates Drew who beat Dartford as well um, that was a good result for them having a good season so it's, it's quite tight up there the games are, again the Christmas period when, when Welling have Dartford back to back could break or break some of these side season if one the game one, one either you're going to win the league or go in the playoffs so yeah interesting but I think Jamie Cool. His first managerial job, he's had some ups and he's had downs, but mostly ups, particularly away from home. And I think they'll be delighted with that and how he's doing it. It's 
hard work because he was a key player for Maidstone in the last couple of seasons on, on the pitch and off the pitch so and it probably would have been easy for him to sort of stay with Jason <coughs> from that point of view but he's put his head over the parapet because and well enough been a club that got rid of managers recently as well and, and if so I admire him for that as well because it's very easy to stay where he was Absolutely, I mean, he is an interesting woman, and he spoke very well both before and after the game. So I was, I was impressed by him, and, and we'll be hearing from him again at some point during the season. I'm sure. You, you mentioned Dartford losing uh, down at a soggy Truer. I think all the goals were in the first 15, 20 minutes, weren't they? And, and that was that. So you can imagine being a Dartford fan. I know there were a few made the trip down there all that way, and three 0 down inside 15, 20 minutes. It, it, you'd be wanting to pull your hair out, wouldn't you? It's nice to go that time of the year. Time of the year, sort of. Um... August, September, but end of or well, beginning of November, it would have been, yeah, very disappointing. And I think the most disappointing for that they've conceded eight goals in two games from the FA Cup game against Swindon. Um, they haven't lost too many places in the league, but they've just got to bounce back now at, at, at the weekend. So they're home to Gloucester, and Gloucester were sort of you know 16th place, but you never know with Gloucester because they've come from the Conference North um, back into the South. So. I think the Conference North is probably a harder league, so it'd be interesting to see how they're getting on from that point of view. A bit of a nomadic existence, but again, 16th place, Dartford back at home. Disappointing now the last couple of weeks, just got to get back on the bike, really. Yeah, they've got Wildstone on Tuesday night as well, so you know Wildstone are, are steadily improving, mm. and they won a well in a few weeks ago. Um, well in just got one game there at Hemel Hempstead on Saturday, so that's fourth against fifth, so that's going to be quite, quite a test for them. And Hemel Hempstead, I think they've got a little bit of cash, because uh, one, one thing Jamie Coyle did say to me was that... Um, he was interested in Ben Greenhall at the start of the yep. season, the, uh, the obviously the former Maidstone into Milan fella, um, and Hem- and he spoke to him, but Hemel just blew him out of the out of the water financially. Um, he's ended up back at Concord, and he was all right on on Saturday. But Hemel's a, a, a tough place to go. I think they've got ambitions. They're they're quite well situated where, where they are in the country. Um, to, to be picking up players from your Watfords your, and maybe even your Tottenham's and your Arsenal. Does so does Sheringham play there? Charlie Sheringham plays there, does he? I think he might do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Again, I think that's a Hemel Hempstead is probably probably a lot of people live in Hemel, so it's probably a thing they could probably support a National League side if they've got a bit of money behind them. But Welling, as we know, apart from I think they're eight eight or nine unbeaten away from home since the first game of the season, so that's a again, they've been playing well from away from home, the confidence is away from home, but that's again another good test for them there. No, um, both of our. National League Southsiders all learned their FA Trophy fates this week. Um, Welling will be at home to Western Supermare and Dartford have got a trip to Bostick North Brentwood. Um, the rest of the FA Trophy, um, well, it hasn't gone well. Um, just as we released last week's show, it was announced that Margate scheduled game with Bowers and Pitsy was called off. Amid um, fears, the Essex side have played number of player. Um, they have now been thrown out of the competition. Um, but they've that got a, today, wasn't it? That's happened today, yeah. They've got a couple of days to appeal. Um, <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't appeal... Then the game, Margate will play in Egham next Tuesday night. Uh, if they do appeal, they'll be playing Egham or Bowles and Pitsy a week on Saturday. Um, absolutely fast school. And, and Margate, I think they, you know, they had a lot of lined up for Remembrance Sunday as well to, to mark that on Saturday. So really disappointing for them that, that that game was called off. And then, I mean, the FA Cup, the FA Trophy draw, um, Thamesmead knocked out of the competition on, on Saturday. I went on the FA website to see when the draw was on Monday morning. And um, it said Thamesmead have beaten Met Police. And when the draw came out, I'd, I'd noticed it. I put a, I put a tweet out. And uh, when the draw came out, sure enough, Thamesmead were there at home to Wingate and Finchley. It took the FA about five minutes to realise that they'd made a horrendous mistake. There was no need for a redraw, as, as you oh, right, I, I, I'd have been <laughs> the table on that sort of thing from there. So, But going back to Margate, I presume the team... Egg, who's got thrown, was it Egg, Eggham. Eggham yeah. got thrown out. No, Bowles and Pitts got thrown Bowles and Pitts got thrown out. If they... Raised their hand, and said, "Oh, sorry, we didn't mean to do this." Would they may get away with the appeal? I suppose. Uh, who knows? I mean, they've, they've not covered themselves in glory because they put a statement out on their website saying um, that they were really disappointed with Margate because Margate put issued as soon as it was announced they they put it out for Bales and Pitts. had a chance to put their own statement out, and it's like, well, Margate have got to inform their fans yeah. what's going on. Um, I would imagine that. Bowles and Pitsy are gonna, aren't going to get anywhere with this appeal no. if they do appeal. Right. Um, and then Margate will be playing Egham. And, and the prize for them, prize, is a trip to Bath in the next round, which I, I don't think they'll be particularly keen on anyway, to be honest. I mean, I was, I was at Margate against Bath. Funnily enough, I did that one for Radio Kent as well um, the season before last when they lost 2-0 and were keeping the ball in the corner because if they conceded the third one, they'd have been relegated. So, you know, absolute madness. Yeah, I suppose on that point of view with Bowles and you, you, you can't you set the precedence if you go on then as you put your hand up we'll let you back in so but as I think Steve Watt said you know 
chuck, you know, surely the other team who's lost, surely they should be chucked out of the way and they should get a bye to the next round. But again, that probably doesn't happen as well. You've got to give them a chance. And I suppose the, the argument would be that Bowers and Pitsy might not have beat Egham if they hadn't played this unregistered yeah. player. So that they'll, they, you know, they've done the, the precedent is there that the team who gets knocked out gets let back in. And, and you know, when I did question the day the other week, that was what I was hoping was going to happen for Margate in the FA Cup, so they could win it. Yeah, um, if you that's remember. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in the trophy, Sittingbourne were held by Haringey Borough on Saturday, but then lost on Monday night in the replay. And Cray's game at Moneyfields was called off on Saturday. One-one draw on Tuesday night for them. So Tony Russell's men have got a home replay to come, and they'll hope that they can line up a trip to Braintree in the next round but pretty shonky draws that I think you know pretty much looking at this Dartford might have a run Wellin might have a run but it's all going to come down to when the National League clubs come in and we've said this about the trophy before sometimes you wonder what the point of, of your Eggums your Bowers and Pitsy being in it because they're not going to win the thing are they? No good one if Cray had a good result could draw against Moneyfields I think in the replay um, look forward to that Braintree's a good game for them I think really uh, Braintree are doing really well relegated last season people like Michael Power probably played against them when he for his other clubs because Braintree have gone through the leagues Brentwood's a good game for Darfur because it's not too far to go which is probably and you, and you compare that to Margate having, may have to go to Bath and you think Western Supermare have to go to Welling they probably again they must people at Western Supermare must have thought oh god again I don't mean to be rude but can't Margate have a word to, right, if we play Bath and you play <laughs> it's the week before Christmas let's get those yeah. things but again wow. it doesn't work like that football but it, it just seems a strange one from that but I think I think, well again Dartford and Welling probably should have enough to get through and we've seen before some of the sides have gone quite deep into the competitions the the lower sides before the National League sides come yeah. in through and win the competition but again you go on a bit of a run there's no reason why you can't go far in the competition if, if some of the bigger boys in the in these in the National League probably won't take it too seriously yet at this early stage no um, what I will say about Brentwood is uh, I've been there a few times and uh, when I first went there they used to have leather sofas in one, in one of the stands behind the goal um, I don't know if that was like a, an offshoot of Towie but um, yeah, you, your home fans could go up and sit there and sit relax in this uh, leather sofa and, and watch the action which most of the times I went to Brentwood wasn't normally <laughs> thrilling but um, you know they're a well run club, club Brentwood and, and you know I think Dartford will, will win that one um, the FA Vars, well, that didn't go well either. There's only four Kent teams left in the competition now. Beckenham, Lordswood, Sevenoaks and Whitstable. Um, Canterbury went out to Westfield on Saturday. Beckenham beat Sheppey in a Kent derby and Corinthian lost to Eastbourne Town. Hawley Town were too strong for Meridian VP. And on Sunday, Erith went out to Windsor. Um, Deals game at Chichester and Sevenoaks trip to Hayward, Hayward Heath on Saturday were both called off due to waterlogged pitches. Mixed results on Tuesday. Deal lost 3-0. Uh, Seven Oaks kept the flag flying with a 2-1 win. Frustrating thing is that had Deal won, they'd have been at Whitstable in a Kent derby, um, which would have guaranteed us a side in the last 32. Um, Beckenham hosts Corinthians Conquerors Eastbourne Town. Obviously, Whitstable um, are at home to Chichester, which I think they can probably win that one. Lords will be at home to Bracknell, and Seven Oaks have got to go to Thatcham Town. Um, now, Thatcham, Matt, I hope you haven't looked this up, no. because I had in my head where I thought it was, and it is absolutely nowhere near. Oxfordshire, is it? See now, I thought it was in Norfolk. Right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie to you. It's actually in Newbury in Berkshire. In Berkshire. Right. So uh, you're close with that. It, sound, it sounds like that. Other, other, this bring the team that I followed on Twitter and really like me. Thatchamworth. Thatcham sounds a nice. That sounds a lovely little ground down a little alley with a nice pub at the end of the road. I think. But I think Seven Lakes, We think that Seven Lakes may be the Kent side that can go furthers in the competition that's a good result at Hayward Teeth I think really you know they should have probably done them at home I think the first time in the um, one home game went down there great great result from down there and shame about Deal I think the problem is with the, the problem is with the Vars on that going Deal on Chichester on a Saturday fancy the chances having to go down there it's an absolute pig to get to on a Tuesday night I used to think the Vars if it was called off they let you play it the following Saturday but I don't know if it's later in the competition that when you have to travel a bit more maybe that's a little bit disappointing for clubs like that deal they've probably made absolutely no money or lost money over the last few days why can't they move that to a Saturday when they may be more chance of winning that's I, think, I think you are right actually because I remember Tunbridge Wells when they had their big run to, to Wembley I'm sure they had a game called off on the Saturday miles away and yeah. it was rearranged maybe on the deeper the competition because you yeah. have a good bit chance you're travelling further than that gym. and it's interesting I mean when I spoke to Ben Smith a few weeks ago the, the Canterbury City manager he, he actually used Chichester as an exact example he said you need luck to go far in the, yeah. tro- in the Vars he said you, you need that bit of luck and a few years ago we had Chichester away on a Tuesday night I couldn't get my full score to 
together. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened to their landlord's yeah. deal. Um, you say Seven Oaks may go the furthest. I've got an inkling Whitstable Town. You know, they're, they're a good side. They've got a lot of experienced players. I think, you know, they've got a home tie in the next round. Yeah, okay, against probably a decent side in Chichester because they've, they've had a good win on Tuesday night. I think if Whitstable can get through that one, then, you know, you start dreaming. Mm. Last 32, you're, you're what, not far away from Wembley at all. And I think Whitstable Town is, is a big club. It's got a big potential down there. They're, they're a league lower than they should be. They, they shouldn't be at that level. And I think both them and Seven Oaks can go deep into this competition. As long as they avoid, you know, the really difficult ties, and they don't want to be going to the northeast until the semi-finals. Mm. Um, but I think one of those two is really in with a shout. So, fingers crossed. They've got Sean Welford up front, and he went deep with Ashford. I know how disappointing he was getting, I think, to the quarter-final Ashford from that point of view. And Sean Welford, evergreen, good non-league player down the years. Maybe he thinks he's gone there after leaving Ashford. Maybe it's a chance. One more chance. Can I get to Wembley from that? One last go for a guy who's, you know, he's knocking on, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, but he's, he's been a good servant for, across the game for a lot of Kent clubs. Who would begrudge him exactly. a day out of Wembley? Um, there's a couple of games in the, in, the, in the league as well over the weekend. Um, Chatham won at Hollands and Blair on Saturday and then lost on Tuesday night um, at home to Whitstable. Uh, Glee beat Beerson on Saturday and on Tuesday Irith won at Tunbridge Wells and, and the scaffold's almost starting to take shape but but not really if we're being brutally honest and, and there is a full programme this weekend though which is uh, very rare and all the fixtures always are on the scaffold website um, finally a very quick look at the Bostick League because we've been prattling on now in, in the pub beer garden for 35 minutes and I think we're getting some funny looks from people who may not have a clue what we're doing um, in the Premier Division, it was it was status quo for our two sides, really. Folkestone won at home to Tooting. Tom James was lost at Staines. No change there. Um, this weekend, Angels host Needham Market. Margaret go to Lowestoft. And uh, Folkestone are at Brightlingsea Regent, where they'll be hopeful of winning. But what, I, what I'm interested in, in Folkestone's point of view, is on Sunday, they've got a charity match uh, down at the Fullicks. Um, in memory of John Treadwell, who was a, a, a decent player for them back in the day. Um, his son is uh, Kent Cricketer James. And if you've seen a picture of John Treadwell, you would know definitely the... The milkman wasn't involved in that one. He's definitely <laughs> related to him. Um, it looks like it's going to be really good, actually. It's, there's a lot of Kent names on display. It's free to get in. Donation to charity if, if you want to go. 12 o'clock kickoff. I, I, I think I might go, actually. Good, good chance to meet some people, speak to some people for this, and you know, s- support a bit of charity. And, and remember, uh, by all accounts, a Folkestone legend. Yeah, I think Folkestone, I've got, Folkestone are a really well, a really tight community club, the people who run those sort of things, events like that. You know, I think some you know, Andy Hessenthaler, people like that, going Nicky Southall. We'll see some some quality on display from that point of view, and all for for a good cause. And, and I think Folkestone, they've gone down a space. They went to second, and they are on the weekend after six consecutive win. Absolutely brilliant into third place. Now, what a, what a great job Neil Cugley's doing from that point of view. When you think, oh, he's lost his best player, Liam Friend, in the summer. He's gone to Margate, but Callum Davis, always like Callum Davis as the player. Other players have come through. Why not? There's no reason why not that Folkestone can carry on from that point of view and maybe maybe just get into those uh, um, into the playoff positions it's just again normally this time of year is when money's get a little bit tight for folks then. but maybe maybe they can see it then get the support backing in push Neil Cugley folks to no reason why they can't carry on get into those playoffs I think the thing was with Neil Cugley is Neil Cugley is a very straight guy when, when you speak to him I mean I've spoke to him a few times and yours, whenever you go to uh, the Fulux you get invited into his office to, <laughs> to carry out your post-match interviews um, and I saw an interview with him where he said you know what it's nice that we're above Margate and Tunbridge Angels and, and he's not a bullish sort of chap no. so he's got every reason to be so proud I mean you've got the league table there in front of you and Margate they're just outside the playoff places Tunbridge Angels are, have had a really disappointing season they're 12th and folks in Victor if someone had said to you who's going to be top of our three Kent teams you would never ever have picked folks in there or they'd certainly have been your third choice and they're doing absolutely fantastic I mean their, their home form is, is out of this world six wins one defeat but away from home four wins two draws two defeats you, you just can't argue with that and only three losses in 15 league games yeah alright Billericay are just below them with three games in hand but where folks in Victor are is absolutely superb and hats off to Neil Cugley he's been there well over a thousand games now he's been there donkey's years and he just seems to get the best out of his players all the time yeah, I think it was a great result last week we recorded the pod last Wednesday of course they went to Leatherhead I know Leatherhead maybe got minds on the FA Cup but they're at the wrong end of the table and won there 2-1 went behind and then won 2-1 shows a real good bit of character again and again this weekend Scott Herbert sent off again so you think oh maybe the old folks could have crumbled a little bit went on beat Tootin as well so I know Tootin around the bottom but shows that the spirit and the quality that Neil Cugley's doing from that point of view close-knit squad he loses players but 
he knows where to pick up players. That's a good thing about it. He can always find a player somewhere who can do something at level. And of course, he spotted Harry Smith and look at Harry Smith now. Exactly. And, and before the curry goes cold over in the uh, in the curry house over the road, yeah. uh, the Bossick South continues to throw up all sorts of results. Yeah. But um, Hyder are our form team. They're up to fourth now. Two good three nil away wins this week. They won at Shoreham on Saturday and Faversham on Tuesday. Um, absolutely flying them at the moment. Uh, troubled Ashford though. Two defeats at home, 3 1 to Hastings on Saturday, 5 3 to Herne Bay um, on Tuesday night. They've still just got nine points, Ashford, so far this season. But as we've said before, there's only one team going to go down, and uh, there's seven points clear of bottom spot because Shoreham have had six points deducted. Yeah, I, so, I, I saw that. I, well, Shoreham have got problems. I, mean, I don't know it was, it was, I don't know what they've got deducted for. Was it legible players? I think it was. But I think, I think Shoreham, who's, who's played seven and lost seven away from home, are likely to go to be the side that gets relegated back to where they've come from. But, oh, I mean, um, you've got it there. If you're losing four to home to East Grinstead, you're not very good. That, it's, was, it's, that it's was on relegation. Six, <laughs> relegation six points, right? Yeah. From that, yeah, they've got real problems from that point of view. But again, Ashford, uh, Home Bay, who do concede goals, as Ashford has scored three against them, and uh, um, but they do score them as well. But yeah, it's been just one of those seasons. And Favisham's resurgent, we're sitting in Favisham. Resurgent seems to have hit a blip with um, back to back. Well, Hive, good result for them as well. And they're in the right positions well Ramsgate win one lose one win one lose one sort of a routine there in at the moment we know the problems they've got with the young squad I think that's exactly it. I mean Faversham they had one on Saturday they're beating East Grinstead yeah. and then you know they're disappointing VCD lost to Greenwich on Saturday and then they hit back on Tuesday night by beating Ramsgate and I've just written here inconsistent yeah. Ramsgate because they are and, and you know I've, you know I've, we've spoken about it before I've got a lot of time for Ramsgate really great little club down there um, and they've got a young squad and they're, they're doing what they can but when, when you've got young players who haven't necessarily got that experience and, and Lloyd Blackman's brief is to bring in the young players and ever since I've been covering Ramsgate that's always been their aim to bring in those young players and they'll yeah they'll be disappointed with where they are but they're going to have to write off a couple of seasons I think last season was probably a write off they obviously changed managers midway through this season so far is looking like it's going to be a write off for them as well no real success in the Cups no real success in, in, in the league but you know they're not going to get relegated, and we've mentioned it before. It's a free hit for Ramsgate and Ashford this season because if there's only going to be one team going down, and let's face it, it's going to be Shoreham unless they get some sort of mystery benefactor <laughs> come in around Christmas time and, and win all of their games. I don't um, think Santa's going to come to Shoreham somehow. Do you not think? Well, but if they can, you know, it is a free hit for our team. So why not Ramsgate have have these results? You know, go to VCD and lose, but. Ultimately, those players, their young players, a lot of their players who are still teenagers, are going to be so much better off for this come, you know, the start of next season. And Lloyd Blackman will know what team he wants. You know, they've got, they have got players there like your Joe Kane, your Luke Wheatleys, and Jake McKenzie, Luke Watkins, who've been around for a long time, played a lot of games, but are still young lads themselves. And that's what Ramsgate need. And when they, when they, when the young players that they've got, your, your Paxmans and the lad up front, they've got Roy Smith. When they've got a bit more experience. I don't see any reason why Ramsgate can't keep their thing of having local young players but have those experienced young players and really push on up the leagues. Yeah, yeah of course, Ramsgate, you know, their success was built on local players from the, the wards brought them from, from Sunday League. Maybe a bit more experienced than what they've got now, but there's no reason why from that. Again, their academy, the youth system, they've got a lot of youth teams coming through from that point of view. It's a well-run club. Yeah, there's no knee-jerk reactions, I don't think, this season for Ramsgate. You know, they're not having a great time with it. But the experience, as you say, 40 games playing in the Devon Bostick South Division, you know, against some ugly ass centre forwards and defenders, for some of these young lads, you know, will make them grow up. So you just gotta keep the faith if you're a Ramsgate fan and you think you're a little bit down. You know, a well-run club, do a good job. There's gonna be some ups, there's gonna be some downs in this season, but. I think the benefits are maybe in a year to 18 months you could all see. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's obviously plenty of games on Saturday and Tuesday in the, in the Bostick South. but um, They seem to curious, play every week, don't they? Tuesday? They do, but curiously, there's not a single Kent derby this week. Because I was looking down thinking, well, we'll have prattled on for long enough. I better just find one game that you can go to. Not a single derby on Saturday. So, um, anyway, that's just about it. I've, I've nearly finished my beer. Matt's finished his water, so it's all good. Professional um, to the end there. Water, well, so. you are. You absolutely are. Um, I mean, obviously... First time I've actually seen you this season. Yeah. Still enjoying doing the podcast. It's yeah, going well, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good fun as well. Um, it's good to, you know, spout out about some people I think I know quite a bit about, really. Which is, you know, it is a niche podcast. This, if, if like my, one of my good mates doesn't listen, but he admits that that's fine. But he knows people who do. So yeah, just keep there. Anything you need us to do, 
or any questions you think John will give out the emails but if you want to get your club on as well you know give the email we'd love to speak to you whatever that works through the town <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, whatever you want to get your club on we can talk to about it of course you know I'm 99% of the time I'm at Dover game so I'll give you the Dover viewpoint and from that, of course if Dover get promoted that's not to talk about next year but we'll worry about that if that happens from that point of view yeah but anything you want to do and if you see John and I around please uh, give us a shout what you need to do and I'm sure this has been quite successful. It's quite a lovely evening outside, sitting outside in the stars. We'll have to do maybe the Christmas special has to be uh, together again. I was thinking maybe a Christmas special we could do one where we just sort of slag off all of our clubs <laughs> rather, than to, rather than bigging them all up so we could find every single thing we don't like about them and, uh, and move on. And actually, do you know what? Talking about very quickly about things we like slagging off, um, the Kent Senior Trophy has had another couple of kick-ins this week, hasn't it? Dover's game with Folkestone called off due to something to do with lights in the stands. And um, Gillingham is supposed to be playing Maidstone on December the 5th and they've arranged a uh, checker trade chimp tin pot trophy uh, game that night instead now I haven't heard officially if the Maidstone game is actually off um, but whatever I mean if, you're if, thinking they could play both games on the same day I am and, and if that is the case that is as far as I'm concerned that is the final straw the death knell for the Kent Senior Trophy if Gillingham send their I mean they won't even play their first team in a checker trade trophy no. game against I think it's Oxford they've yeah. got and then so they'll be sending pretty much a third string 11 for a derby that a lot of people are looking forward to in, in the so-called senior, well, it's called the senior, the senior knockout competition in this county. And I think if, if that game isn't called off, then that just shows the contempt that our football league clubs show this competition. Well, I think the contempt that everybody's at. We've said before, maybe it could be a, a pre-season tournament from that point of view. Yeah, again, as I said before, we'd love to get somebody from the F, Kent FA to think, how they can boost the competition but I was looking at some you know, last thing Chris Kinnear's doing his 600 league game for Dover this weekend I think, and I was looking at some stats over his first spell and you could see Dover against Maidstone in the uh, Kent, Kent Senior Cup in about 1988 and there's like two and a half thousand people there so that shows where it's gone from, from that point of view and when Dover played chilling it was a big event with those sort of, but now like a lot of these cup competitions nobody gives them monkeys really and again Dover's you know, probably with the Folkestone Again, from the Dover and Folkestone point of view, it's probably good that they're not actually playing in a competition as well. Again, I don't know why you have to cram so many games in before Christmas. But the final's not to the bank holiday in May, so you could technically start the competition probably in February, March anyway, um, from that point of view. So, yeah, it's again, I'll, I'll keep an eye out and ear out to the ground if that Maystone-Gillingham uh, game will be off, because that will be interesting if they're playing the... the the JPT that day as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is that is genuinely it now because we are going to go and, and stop disturbing people in the beer garden at the uh, at the pub in in Faversham. Um, as always, if you're interested in following us on on social media, um, we're at Kenel, Kent NL Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook. It's just at Kent Non League. Um, you can email us. I haven't plugged the email address. It's johnphipps81 at outlook.com. Um, it's been great to see Matt. We're we're going to continue chatting in, into the well later evening because I want to go home and watch The Apprentice before I go to bed if I'm brutally honest I know you're not shocking, a fan shocking shocking <laughs> um, but it's been it's been great to see Matt and I hope you've enjoyed listening to, to our podcast live from a pub in Faversham and we will speak to you all next week thanks a lot